We've been talking about the mission of God. That's been our focus uh, so far this year. We looked at a lot of different stories, and I've been very story-focused because I like stories. Uh, they're really easy to tell and to give the point and the idea across. Uh, but today we're going to look at a more um, informational kind of a text in Romans chapter 12. And my goal here is to combine what we learned about last year and what we've learned about so far this year. The idea that we all have gifts that are given to us by God that help us to be the body of Christ. And then to understand, as we have so far, that we are the ones who are supposed to engage in the mission of God. Uh, now we're going to think about how we can use our gifts to accomplish the mission that God has given us in this life. This, this text that we're going to be studying about is uh, very much internal focus. We need to think about ourselves. We need to think about uh, what we're doing and how we're actively engaging in the work of this mission. And, and try not to make it an external thing that, yes, all, all these people around me need to be engaged in this and they need to be working toward this, but try to make it a very internal thing and in considering myself, how I myself uh, can play a role in accomplishing the mission that God has given us all to do. Sure, you can reach out to a friend who's around you and just invite them. That's a super easy and simple thing that we can all do. Perhaps you can even teach them and help guide them and, and help them understand the truths that you're learning in your own Bible studies and in our group studies together. But there are, there's more to the work than just teaching people. Uh, we have a bigger impact than we realize Whenever we gather together and there are people in our midst who are visitors who have not really gone to church much before. We have a big role to play with, with those visitors. Uh, and we all have different gifts that are given to us that are supposed to help us to reach out to them. Uh, and, and to help them and bring them in and help them to be a part of the saved people of God. We're empowered for this. This is something that God has given us the ability to do. There's not a single person in the body of Christ that has no gift given to them. Uh, and that's exactly what we're going to see in Romans chapter 12. But the question is, are we willing to use the gift that God has given to us? You start there in verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As you look at this text, you see at the beginning he says, by the mercies of God. He's, he's talked about the mercies of God in the first 11 chapters of Romans. He's revealed to us the gospel, the grace of God. Uh, Roger himself, he used Romans chapter 5, uh, which tells us very clearly about God loving us and providing for us his grace and forgiveness through his son. And we can rejoice in the blessing and the hope that we have in him. Uh, Paul has discussed that at great length. And if you are a child of God, you have experienced the mercy of God towards you. You know his love that has showered you through the sacrifice of Jesus that has provided the forgiveness of all of your sins, no matter how egregious those sins are. You've experienced that. And so he says, I appeal to you by those mercies that God has given to you 
that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. If you have experienced the love of God towards you, consider yourself to be a living sacrifice. What does this mean? Obviously, the literal is that you would lay yourself on a, an altar and you'd light it on fire, right? <laughs> but that is not at all what he's talking about, is it? We know that. Uh, this is very similar to what Jesus said in, in saying, take up your cross and follow me. He's saying to live sacrificially. He's saying to consider your old way of life to be a thing of the past, the way of life where you lived devoted to this world and you were conforming yourself to the world to make the world happy. He says, now instead be devoted to God. Seek to know the will of God, to discern the will of God in every situation. Try to understand what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. Have your mind renewed to think more about God's will for you than about your own will for your life. You see in this that Paul is encouraging all of us to embrace the mission that God has given to us with our whole heart. To make this everything to us. And so in your life, how are you doing that? How are you uh, making the work that God has given to you uh, an essential part of your life? You know, as we consider all the things that we're doing, uh, we consider how we, we say yes to things and we say yes to things and we just make our lives so busy with a bunch of stuff. Consider what's really essential in your life. Consider what really gives value to your life in the service of God. And consider what doesn't. And Paul is saying, I want you to cut out the fat. I want you to get rid of all that stuff that you're doing that is not at all serving the purpose of the kingdom of God. If it's, if it's just cluttering your life with busyness. I was reading a book um, not too long ago. It basically said, whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to a whole bunch of other stuff. We need to think about our lives that way. If we say yes to this, what are we saying no to? Because we'll fill our lives with things that don't really matter and leave out the things that really do matter and say no to those things because we've got other obligations in our lives and we can't do that because our lives are supposed to be lived for God. The things we say yes to should have some focus on the mission of God. And this is what Paul is trying to help us understand. By the mercies of God, present your lives as a living sacrifice to God. Make what you say yes to about God and not about yourself. And not about just pleasing other people and being conformed to the world and making everybody else happy, but doing the things that really matter in the kingdom of God. You continue reading. Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as, one, as in one body we have many members, and, many, and the members do not have the same function, so we, the, though many, are one body in Christ, 
and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Notice as you read through this, he gives this nice list of gifts. We saw a list of gifts in 1 Corinthians, uh, and here we see another list of gifts, and these gifts are very interesting. They're a little different from 1 Corinthians. But to set this up, he says, by the grace given to me, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Don't think so much about yourself and, and what you are. Think more of what he's trying to say about others and think more about God. He says, think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, as you read through that, that might be confusing to you. But Ephesians makes it clear, the measure of faith that God has assigned to us is to be Christ. He goes forward and says, you're the body of Christ. The standard for us is to be Christ. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Think with sober judgment. Think of how far you need to go to be Christ. That's where God wants us to be. And so then he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And he goes forward and he talks about prophecy. He says, use it in proportion to your faith. And he says, in our, in our service, in our serving, in proportion to our faith, all of the list he's saying, in proportion to our faith, in proportion to your faith. As you read through this list, you see that God has given gifts that differ to all of us. You know, the standard is Christ, and we have gifts that are given to us that we're supposed to use in proportion to our faith to make us more like Christ. Well, what is our gifts, and how is it that those gifts work together to make us the body of Christ? Well, we all have to work together. He didn't give us all the gifts of Christ. I don't have all the gifts of Christ in me. Uh, you don't have all the gifts of Christ in you. He didn't make each of us the body of Christ. He made us all together the body of Christ. And so you have a particular element, a particular gift that was in Christ because Christ has all the gifts. And you need to use them, it says, in proportion to your faith. Now that's interesting. Have you ever thought about your gift and your use of that gift being tied to the amount of faith that is inside of you? You ever thought about that? What Paul is saying is, if you're not using your gift, do you really have faith? He's saying the more we use our gift, the more we're showing faith. The more focused our lives are on sacrificially serving the kingdom of God, the mission of God, with our gifts, the more we're showing how much faith and trust we have that the promises of God are true. That Jesus has really suffered and died on a cross for me and that he's provided me with a hope of heaven, eternal life, and that the treasures that I lay up in heaven are there waiting for me. If I'm not using my gift, I don't really believe 
that there's that treasure that's being stored up. I'm just so focused on the things that are here and here and now. And so we need to be using our gifts in proportion to our faith. And if you have much faith, then you should be using your gift much. And so here I'm placing a challenge before you. Do you have faith? Well, let's see it. Let's see it in your gift being used to the fullest extent. Now, you don't have to be braggadocious about it. You don't need to be showing everybody, oh, look at me, I can do all these wonderful things. And if you've got that mindset, go back and read this. It says, don't think more of yourself than you ought to think. Realize the standard is Christ and you're nowhere near that. But you should be so diligently, we all should be so diligently using the gifts that God has given within us that it becomes evident that our faith is to the uttermost, to the extreme, that we know Jesus is real, that he's died for us, and that there's a hope of heaven because we live for his purposes. And so what is your gift? What has God given to you? He's made us all very different, hasn't he? And so let's look through the gifts that he gives us here in this text. First of all, the gift of prophecy. That's more of a miraculous spiritual gift. We talked about before how that's very similar to us just proclaiming the word today. But he says teacher, so we're just going to kind of uh, breeze over that one. But he says if service. Now that's an interesting one. Uh, what is the gift of service? Well, this encompasses a very wide range of gifts, doesn't it? Uh, the gift of service can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. We all have a gift of service to, in some way. God created us uh, in a way that we can do something really well. Uh, if you've been in the ladies' class in the back, they've been going over temperaments, and they've seen how there's four different types of people who have four different types of temperaments that God has created inside of us. Uh, and you just kind of see this as you start considering what you're like and what everybody else is like and how different we are. Some of us are very creative, and so our acts of service are going to be on the more creative side, creating things for people. Uh, some of us are more organized, and we're going to be putting all these things together uh, in a way that's very usable and very functional for other people. Some of us are just very empathetic, sympathetic. We, we are very compassionate. We're very caring. We know how to relate to people very well. And some of us are just very decisive. We know what to do, what needs to be done, when it needs to be done. And, and so those four are talked about in that class. And, and whatever the gifting is, whatever the temperament is inside of you, there are strengths and weaknesses to that. And so we all need to be doing acts of service that really use the strengths that are within us. We need to be using whatever gift God has given us. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. God has given us grace and mercy and forgiveness. He's given us grace in making us different and giving us different strengths and different abilities. And we need to be using those. Service is a huge, huge deal, right? Uh, we all are supposed to be servants of one another. We sing a song, Make Me a Servant. That's our goal. That's our mission. That helps us to emulate Christ and resemble him in our lives. And so what act of service are you involved in? And, and how can you use whatever strengths God's given you to, to really excel in that act of service? Then he mentions 
teaching. Teaching uh, is pretty self-explanatory, right? But those who are teaching are supposed to teach in proportion to their faith, with their faith. Uh, they're supposed to uh, push themselves to be as accurate and as clear as possible to the truths that we find in Scripture so that they can communicate them in a way that it is accepted by those who are listening and that it is well understood. And so those of us who are teaching need to devote ourselves to making the best possible explanation to those who are listening to us and to be sure that we're not compromising God's word and trying to make people feel better. Uh, this can be a temptation. But we should be trusting that God's truth is all that we need in order to experience the salvation he's offered to us. Next we see the gift of encouragement. Uh, it's, it's in the ESV called exhortation. He says the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Uh, encouragement is... Uh, kind of the most basic form of that exhortation goes beyond, but think about how important the encouragers are in our congregation. We live or die based on their work. The, the encouragers are the ones who lift the spirits of those who are just depressed and discouraged and despaired, uh, those who don't feel like anything's working for them. You know, the encouragers are the motivators. They're the ones who put fuel in the fire and help us to, to be lit, to go and to do the mission of God. The encouragers are unsung heroes in some ways because they're willing to persist and to endure. They're willing to be positive. When everything looks negative, they're willing to see the best in the other members who really, really need it. We need encouragers. Encouragers are essential uh, for the body to grow and to become what we ought to be. And also, he says, exhorter. I want to just kind of understand that's, a, that's another level. The exhorter is someone who is able to urge others to, to do the things that God has given them the abilities to do. The, the, the exhorter is the one who directs as well and kind of points them in the direction that they're supposed to go, even offering correction in some ways, but, but really like seeing the gift that's in somebody and motivating them to excel in that gift. That's what the exhorter does. Uh, so the encourager, the exhorter, is an important gift maybe that you've been given that the body of Christ needs. And then he says the generous those who are givers, uh, and, and givers are extremely important in the effectiveness of the ministry. Without the givers, uh, it's hard to get things going, uh, and you guys give and give and give and allow me to do the ministry that I do. It's a perfect example. Uh, I could not devote my life to studying God's Word and presenting it in a way that you can understand if you didn't give, and there are men throughout this country and other countries that are experiencing the same thing because of your generosity monetarily. But we can give sacrificially in many different ways. If you don't have the, the means to give financially, you can give your time and acts of service. The giver are just totally devoting whatever they have for the service to be effective. You know, sometimes uh, people who are taking the lead and stuff don't need somebody to come in and take over. They just need somebody to do the grunt work and and you can give your time and your efforts and your abilities for that. Maybe maintenance is needed. You give your service, whatever it is. We need givers in the body of Christ. And then he says, leaders. 
And he kind of changes his tune a little bit with this. Uh, he says, um, the one who leads with zeal. That's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say in their leading. He doesn't say just in proportion to their faith like he says the other things. But he says the one who leads is to do it with zeal. The body of Christ needs leaders. We need men and women who are willing to lead, who are willing to direct and guide and, and to instruct and to show others how to be and how to live. Uh, our leaders guide, they protect, they inspire, they care for, they endure, and they love. Ladies, you're very clearly told to encourage and to build up the younger women among you and to help them understand how to love their husbands, how to raise their children, how to be a functioning member in the body of Christ. And you have a leadership example in that. We have other leaders throughout the scriptures, uh, women who are evangelists in some ways, uh, not in the pulpit, but they are evangelizing and going out and reaching the lost. And you can take a leadership role. There's leaders in active service who are ladies that are, that are making all kinds of crafts and stuff, and they, they have tremendous influence over everybody else, helping them and guiding them to devote their lives to Christ. We need leaders like that. And then we're called upon to lead the congregation. We're called upon to set the example, to plow the way that everyone's supposed to be going, to show everyone by our sacrificial service to one another, by our willingness to stand up in front of everyone and be scrutinized for our faults and our vulnerabilities. We're called upon to do the dirty work and the difficult things. That's what the, the men are called to do. And that's what leadership is really all about. And if there's no leadership in the church, then everyone just does the best they can. And unfortunately, it's just, it's not functioning as it should be. That's why God created it the way that he did. For there to be men who are strong examples in the church and lead the way. And if men are, are failing to do the work that God has given them to do, then the whole body suffers. We need a guide to help us and show us the way. We need someone who sets the example and sets the tone. Someone who demonstrates the sacrificial service that everyone else can learn from and grow from. Leaders are essential to the congregation. And then he talks about hospitality. Uh, he talks about doing acts of mercy. Uh, this is someone who's creating spaces that make people feel welcome and safe, where people experience love and grace. And it can be inside your own home. It could be as people walk in these doors. There are hospitable people who are our greeters, who are our members, who are outreaching those others and making them feel comfortable, saying, hey, you come sit by me. You don't have anybody to sit by, sit by me. Uh, they got children, you're caring for their children, you're trying to show them where they need to go and how they're supposed to be doing things. You're just overall a helpful source of providing care for other people. And that's very important. Another part of that is to give mercy. And this is a member who's willing to reach out to those who might be considered unworthy. 
Throughout Jesus' ministry, we see him saying, God desires mercy and not sacrifice. <laughs> In a sense, mercy is a sacrifice. He's not talking about that, though. He's talking about physical offering sacrifices on an altar. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. Uh, we must be having especially gentle and patient members who are willing to go out to people who have become stubborn, rebellious, defiant, uh, just apathetic and don't care, who are willing to just patiently guide them and bring them back. And that is a gift that some of us have. You see, all these different gifts that he mentions here, there are more gifts, but I really, the acts of service kind of encompasses everything, and then he just kind of goes through and breaks down specific areas that the church really, really needs. So as we think about all these gifts, we bring in what we've been studying previously. Remember how we looked at the Samaritan woman? Uh, she was, there was this artificial barrier around her. Jesus broke it in order to give her what she really needed to fill uh, her thirst that's inside of her. Uh, we looked at Zacchaeus, this outsider who was, who was really interested in Jesus, and Jesus went right up to him, and he brought him in and, and invited himself into Zacchaeus' home. We looked at Nicodemus. Uh, the religious leader who thought he knew everything, but Jesus said, no, you've got to completely relearn everything. You've got to completely renew your mind and change everything. We looked at those examples. We saw the mission of God is people. And now we've seen our mission is including works. How do we mesh these two things together? Well, don't think of your works as we just studied them as just the good deeds that we all need to do in order to be a good member. Okay? If, if we're not careful, that's the way we can think about it. These are just the good deeds we do to just be a good member, maybe to show that we're thankful to God for all the grace that he's given to us. Certainly all those things are true, but really it's not about that, is it? When you connect the gifts to the mission, you see it's about mirroring Christ's love to people around us. Scripture reading, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitalities. You see all these things you see he's talking about loving people. It's about using your gifts to show love to others. It's about bringing people in. That's the focus. The focus isn't the gift. I want you to think about the gift and understand the gift, and we need to know our gift, but the focus isn't the gift. The focus is the people. And we need to bring people in, and we need to help them understand the grace that God has for them the hope that they have for eternal life if they'll just submit their lives to Christ and, and join in the mission that we've been given to do. Are we willing to sacrifice for Christ? Beyond that, let's, let's, let's go beyond willing. Are we excited to sacrifice for Christ? Did you notice the word zeal said multiple times? In, in Acts of Mercy, it says, with cheerfulness, Notice he's focusing in on the attitude that we have. It's not enough to just do the works, okay? We could all begrudgingly do the works that God has given us to do and that use the gifts God's given us to do. But he's not satisfied with that. He says we should be doing this with zeal, with excitement, looking forward to it, 
Now, these are not easy things. In many cases, these are very difficult things because when we deal with people, things get very difficult, don't they? Maybe a few of you have had to work with me, and you know I'm a little bit over the top about a few things. It's not easy, okay, to deal with people. But are you excited about it anyway? I hope so. We should be excited about whatever gift God has given us to do in his kingdom for his body to grow and to thrive and to become what it ought to be. It's not enough to just say, I feel obligated to do this because of what God's done to me. We should have a sense of excitement in knowing that we get to take part in the body of Christ being built up. We need to take ownership of God's grace toward us. Take ownership of it. God's given you grace and forgiveness for, the, for all of your sins, but he's also given you a gift, a unique gift that only you can bring to the table. And you've got experience and you've got knowledge and you've got ability and take ownership of that as God's gift to you and recognize that it's up to you to use it. Another book that I've been reading uh, had this paragraph. I just had to just share it with you guys, okay? Uh, it's about accountability, you know, and I, as, as I've been here and we've had, uh, I've talked to a number of people and even in other congregations, I've experienced this as well. Uh, there is an overwhelming consensus of those who are constantly, you know, devoting themselves to hold everybody else accountable for all the things they're not doing and this kind of outward focus and looking at everybody else and pointing fingers, Okay. Uh, and I've done it myself, and I, I think it's a, a thing that we can all fall into. But accountability isn't about holding others accountable. Accountability is a self thing that we do. Listen to this. It says, everything we do in life is a choice. Even in an environment where there are requirements of you, you still have a choice. But there's a big difference when you approach something as a choose to versus a have to. When something is a have to, it's a burden. It's cumbersome. And at best, you meet the minimum standards. However, the realization that you ultimately have a choice creates a very different scenario. When you choose to do something, you're able to tap your resources and give your best. It's a much more empowering stance. Ultimately, you choose your actions, your results, your consequences. I love that. Because if you've been here very long, you know that we don't excommunicate people who haven't shown up in a few months and then they come back. We welcome them in and we're trying to encourage them and help them. We're not going to their houses and saying, hey, you're supposed to be here. We've got to hold you accountable. Here's a bunch of consequences that you're going to have to face in order to come back and be a part of us. No, we don't do that. Okay? Because accountability means nothing if other people have to hold you to it. It means nothing. You're not motivated. I mean, maybe you are, but you're begrudgingly motivated. You don't really want to do it. And the truth is we don't want people to come here because they have to keep up membership. We don't want people to be involved in the ministry because they have to keep up membership. We want people to be excited about being here. Accountability is not consequences, it's ownership. 
And each and every member of the body of Christ has a gift that was given to them not by man, but by God. And he knows what's in your heart, and he knows what he's given you, and he is the one who can hold you accountable. But really, you should hold yourself. You should hold yourself accountable. Take ownership. God's given us so much. Own it. Use it for God's glory and his kingdom and help us all to accomplish the mission that God's given us to do. So overall, I hope you understand that our mission requires diverse gifts and all of us working together to use those gifts to, re to reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so we must see our sacrificial service not as a, a burden, but as our reasonable worship, our reasonable service to God for all that he's done for us. We must see our gifts as God's grace, and we must have enough faith to use those gifts in his service, believing that God sees those gifts being used and that he is laying up treasure for us in heaven, not hiding those gifts like the, the man with the one talent, right, but using them. We need to let love be the motivating factor in, a lot, in all that we do. It's about people. It's not about us. It's not about me feeling good about myself, but it's about lifting others up. If my act of service is crushing other people, then it's not as God intended it to be. I need to use my gifts to build up, and I need to own my role in God's mission and stop looking at other people and stop looking at the weather and thinking, oh, maybe a better day will come whenever I can do this. Oh, I'm just too busy right now. No, get rid of the non-essential. This is essential. This is what your life is all about. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you can do other things that need to be done, but don't leave out the most essential part of your life. Be a working member of the body of Christ. There's many visitors here. I hope that uh, this has helped you in some way. I hope you go back to wherever you're from and that you're a member of that, that body that's there and you're a working member and that you take ownership of whatever it is that God's given you the ability to do. And if you're a member here, I hope you don't feel guilted. I hope you feel motivated. I hope you feel encouraged to do the things that God has given you the ability to do. Remember, if you've not been doing it, he does offer you grace and forgiveness and patience. He's more patient than we would ever be toward other people. He's more patient than we would ever be toward ourselves. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to be his children, and he wants to use us to accomplish his work. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? He could do it himself, but he wants us to have a part in it. He wants us to have a treasure, a reward, when this life is over. He gives us the gift and then he gives us a reward for using the gift because he's a giver and we all need to give as well. If you're here today and you're not a member of the body of Christ and you've not devoted your life to Christ and to God, uh, we want you to be a member. We want you to enjoy the blessings of being in the body of Christ. We want you to enjoy using your gift to build up other people, to see them grow. It's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but we rejoice in them all knowing that God sees and knows what we're going through and he's able to provide exactly the reward that we're, we're even not worthy of whenever this life is over. And if you're willing to do that today, if you're willing to, to give your life to Christ and be a part of this body, we're happy to help you in any way. Please come as we stand and as we sing.